All right. Well, welcome everybody uh, to this edition of Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by my friend Sana Saeed. We're going to be t- talking about uh, former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, uh, the former uh, "quote unquote" lefty Democrat who has uh, become uh, pretty much just a pretty much just a standard uh, right wing uh, Republican at this point, really. Um, not much really to say beyond that about her her journey. Although we are going to take a couple of victory laps here, and and talk about her um, how she's how she's gone further and further to the right, uh, especially over the last few months. Uh, the, the reason that I I wanted to talk to Sana about this is because uh, one of the first times that we interacted online was. Uh, arguing with people over Tulsi, and we were both pointing out Tulsi's long-standing right-wing politics, her ties to the Hindutva movement, uh, her her, her uh, blatant, uh, vicious Islamophobia, um, and at at the point that at the time that we were having these discussions with people, I think this was like back in 2017, 2018. This stuff wasn't really known that well. Uh, Gabbard was still seen as sort of a like a progressive darling, mostly because she had endorsed Bernie in 2016 and left the DNC rather performatively uh, over the over that, and um, she had she was kind of obviously gearing up for a 2020 run at that time. Uh, so there, you know, there were um, some some obvious uh, points at which you could, you know, you, you could refer people to, like, say, hey, you know, like, you know, this person is not good, uh, their politics are not good, but um, at, at the time, it was still pretty, pretty difficult. Then in 2020, obviously, uh, she runs for president as a Democrat, uh, doesn't really do much other than, I mean, honestly, like, pretty much destroyed Kamala Harris's uh political uh, career at the time on stage, which, I mean, that was, that, that was kind of cool, but otherwise she, she didn't really do much and uh, ended up, you know, dropping out, endorsing Biden, and then uh, started her kind of tilt, her journey uh, toward the right wing, which is where she is now. Now, uh, just the other day, uh, this was a week ago uh, today, October 11th, uh, Gabbard announced that she was leaving the Democratic Party. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with leaving the Democratic Party. Uh, there are obviously a lot of reasons why one would do that. Uh, but I, I think that it's worth listening to what she says about why uh, she left the party, because she's not leaving the party for any left-wing reasons. Here, I'll play it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit more on the other side. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, 
who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direct Alrighty. Uh, so that is, um, well, that's certainly something. There's, there's a lot of commentary in there that uh, we can, we can draw, draw right back to the Republican Party. Now, my theory on this stuff uh, has been for quite some time uh, that Gabbard is planning on a run uh, for president once again uh, in 2024, but I think she's going to be running as a Republican. That is what I've thought uh, pretty much since uh, the, I think the, you know, right after Biden got elected, this seemed pretty obvious then uh, as she, after she left Congress, uh, she, she started doing some pretty right-wing culture war shit, um, attacking trans people on her way out. Uh, starting to kind of lean more into the homophobic bigotry uh, that she was known for uh, back in the beginning of her career. Uh, so, so Sana, um, uh, I, I sent you this. I know that you had been kind of uh, a bit offline uh, recently, but I sent you this. What, what do you think of this announcement? Um, I mean, I'm glad she finally hard-launched her, her Republican career. I was waiting for that, obviously, as we discussed, as you mentioned, for quite a while, um, you know, she's, she's, uh, you know, if, if it looks, if it looks like a right winger, acts like a right winger, you know, it's a right winger. Um, yeah, I wasn't too, so I did catch last week before I went kind of offline, um, her announcement. And I remember what really struck me and it's really stayed with me was her, um, use of, and this is a word that of course people use here and there, but like even sometimes more casually, um, and everyone uses it for a variety of reasons. But I just thought it was very interesting considering, A, the context of her being Tulsi Gabbard, what she was announcing, and who she's speaking to, which was, um, what, would, what would she said, how the Democratic Party was basically run by a cabal of, uh, of elitist warmongers. And to me, the, word, the use of the word cabal was just a very interesting uh, choice. Um, because I don't think any of the words that were chosen in, uh, you know, in, in what she was saying during her announcement um, were uh, accidental or just because they sounded fancy or anything of that sort. I think those words were very, very carefully chosen. And so to me, there was definitely with that term, um, you know, a little bit of a dog whistle with the word cabal, which, you know, if you don't know, the word cabal also comes from directly from um, the word Kabbalah, which is obviously a Jewish, Jewish uh, spiritual, uh, 
the mysticism. And so, um, so anyways, that, that's what I remember. And I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be an interesting, interesting few days and also an interesting turn. Um, I mean, everything you said, uh, you know, is spot on. Um, this is a long time coming. I mean, she, even her most kind of quote unquote leftist positions. Um, I think a lot of people forget that just because a position is shared between, let's say, two ends of a spectrum, right, or like, or, or seem to be shared, I should say, by two ends of a spectrum or anywhere else on that political spectrum does not mean they're actually the same thing, right? So, for instance, Tulsi Gabbard's, um, uh, for instance, her position in Syria was not based on any kind of anti-imperial uh, politic of any kind um, about, like, you know, but rather very much so if you look at her, her rhetoric around it was about, quote unquote, containing those radical Islamists and, you know, protecting democracy and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's worth just to point out just on that on on, mm-hmm. on that note that um, her only objection was to the U.S. Uh, uh, spending, uh, you know, uh, time and money on bombing Syria. Uh, her her, her um, alternative was just to have Russia do it. It wasn't to not have it be done. It was to have Russia do it. In addition to that, right, there's also the fact that, like, and this is something that's very common with Republicans, right? Whenever there's a Democrat in in office, uh, many of them now, which we've seen, and they see that there's kind of a um, an audience for this, especially they take on some quote unquote anti-war type positions. Like perfect example, Trump, right? Trump, I knew a lot of people who, you know, identify not necessarily on the left, but on various kind of segments, maybe libertarian, some on, you know, some some vague um, attribution of, of being on the left, but they really liked Trump saying, we don't, we need to get out of these countries. We need to, even though, right, in 2019, there were over 7,000 bombs dropped on Afghanistan, which is one of the highest ever. Um, you know, in 2020, um, or prior to Trump leaving office, it was I think it was argued that Trump uh, um, dropped more bombs on Yemen since Bush, or even ever since like Bush, um, and and so on and so forth. Like he really broke a lot of records when it came to bombing countries. Um, and yet, if you still talk to people, the people like I, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people. Um, and this is more anecdotal, but there's still this idea that Trump was somehow better for for an anti-war foreign policy, even though. Which is, of course, a problem of looking through, looking at the American war machine through an individual versus the actual machine and structure that it is. And so someone like, you know, Gabbard, who is very much so part and parcel of that American war machine, who very much so believes in it, right, very much so is not exactly, you know, she's not against war and she's just against maybe which types of battles are picked, right? But for instance, she not was what just a few months ago where she was as a she was in um, uh, I believe it's West Africa. She was even though she she just said I'm in Africa, but it was definitely West Africa, um, probably Mali. But she said she was there with uh, U.S. Uh, with like on a Pentagon thing special and as forces. a civil. Yeah, special forces. I was trying to remember what it was. She was with special forces as a quote unquote civil officer and how she was like helping our special forces. And of course, like today, you know, Nick Terse came out with a great article um, talking about how the Pentagon just released. uh, Like we really need the Pentagon to tell us, but the Pentagon just released a report talking about like, damn, like it's like the more we get involved in parts of Africa, the more violent it gets. Um, And so I'm like, well, what was Tulsi? What were you doing there? Right. So it's like she. I think what she does really well, which is what oftentimes people like her on the right do really well, is they know that there are certain politics that are shared by 
a lot of Americans in particular, right? And what they do is they jump on that language. They don't actually change their politics because a Gabbard who's in office, now I'm not talking presidential even, if she's in cabinet, whatever, her positions her are going to be very much so in line with U.S. foreign policy, war policy, so on and so forth. Um, but she knows extremely well how to use language to make it seem as though she is an anti-war candidate, which is the kind of thing that you and I, for the last, like, however many years, have been arguing with people, like, this is not someone who's anti-war, is not someone who's anti-imperialist, this is someone who very much so believes in the imperialist project, but more than that, this is someone who very much so embraces not just right-wing, but extremely far right-wing elements, both here at home and abroad. Um, and so, I mean, even her calling, like, calling Biden Hitler, right? It, it's just so, it's very transparent, but it works really well for the audience that she's trying to get. Right, right. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, there's there's a, a couple of things here uh, to to unpack, but um, I, I want to draw attention here to something that uh, Jordan Cheriton um, posted, which is, so uh, Don Bulldog is a Republican U.S. Senate candidate in New Hampshire, now this is so. This is important for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, New Hampshire has the early primary. I believe that that is why she's there, uh, supporting the Republican. You know, this is kind of like you know she's on her way to, to joining the GOP, and uh, so that she can run. Um, but she, so she went up there uh, to, uh, to to endorse him and to campaign uh, for him. That's that's what uh, that that that's when she made this Hitler comment, um, and. Uh, it, but it, the 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 interesting thing is, so this is what she says about him. Like like me and every soldier that's ever served, uh, General Bulldog took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Blah blah blah. Um, that's why I'm supporting him. God given civil liberties. Blah blah blah. Et cetera. Et cetera. Right. Like that's like a oh, very like standard pap, um, uh, right wing, especially specifically Republican right wing. Uh, uh, you know, just babble. Um, but you know this this guy wants U.S. troops on the ground in the in Ukraine in the war in Ukraine. He wants like an actual like he like he actually wants like us to get up to the brink of uh, uh, nuclear war with Russia uh, over Ukraine, which which honestly is just is is just completely insane. Um, and for someone like Tulsi, who has been, you know, really polishing these um, right-wing anti-war bona fides by going on Tucker Carlson, uh, by now she's, you know, now she's started like this podcast where she's going to be talking about how, like, you know, she's she's opposed to like the U.S. Uh, going to war. But the thing is, like, like Sana's saying, you have to look at like why they're saying this. And this reminds me a lot of when Ron Paul was getting like rather popular uh, in the latter like Bush years. Like like nobody really like thought about like why this guy? Why is this guy uh, against the war? And he's not against the war because he has any moral problem uh, with with the bombing, uh, with the killing of civilians, especially not if they're if if they're not white. Um, if you know for, if you know anything about Ron Paul, that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, no, it's just about like spending money, and I always thought that was something interesting too about the way she would talk about Syria. It was not that like it was not that there was like a moral question about whether or not we should be uh, involved in the war in Syria. It wasn't that there was like a moral question of like what the U.S. was doing in Syria, what uh, what what Russia was doing in Syria, what the Syrians were like, like what any of the parties were doing. Like none of that stuff mattered to her. 
The only thing that she wanted is that she wanted like the bombing and the and the and, and the war to continue. She just didn't want the U.S. to be the people who were behind it. So I think that you're right. I think the motivations uh, are are really important here. Um, and and I also think that you know I mean what what do you think about this guy? I mean like she's supporting this guy who is like 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 explicitly explicitly wants to see U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. Um, I, like I don't know if you, I don't know if you if you knew about it. I I just found out that the other day yesterday when when Jordan posted it but um, I mean that is like that, I mean that's that's just that's that's pretty pretty extreme even by like the standards of uh, you know uh, generally pro war Republicans to like actually want troops on the ground in Ukraine. I don't know. During those first few months of the, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, there were definitely, it felt like a lot, a lot of Americans, whether in newsrooms or in, in political office, were kind of like, mm, would troops on the ground be a terrible idea? But um, I wasn't so, I actually, yeah, I read that earlier today and I wasn't so, I was not surprised about that whatsoever, especially like, I mean, she's, she's kind of doing her round of endorsements right now. She also endorsed, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Carrie Lake who's running for governor of Arizona, um, who is, I don't know if anyone ever saw that infamous and incredible Arizona govern, uh, gubernatorial uh, debate uh, where Carrie Lake, who is absolutely unhinged, still came across as the least unhinged. And, and I don't know how that was possible. But um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I do think, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was regarding um, kind of how, you know, she's going to run and whatnot, which I, I do think she will. I, I think and if she doesn't run, I do think she's looking possibly for at least a Republican candidate position. I can see her being kind of positioned as possibly um, a vice presidential candidate as well for, well, for Republican. Yeah, Sorry? Trump was considering her for secretary yeah. of state very briefly because of Steve yes. Bannon in 2016. Exactly, in 2016. I feel like now, especially in that she's, you know, left the Democratic Party, I, I'm like, that is more than I can see that very, very easily happening for not just whether it's Trump, I can also see it happening with another um, uh, Republican president, which I don't know who that would be. But, um, but I do also think, right, you know, there's something to be said about the podcast bread, so to speak, right? Like, what she's doing right now with her, you know, launching a podcast and then coming out saying I've left the Democratic Party um, for the last year or no, last two, three years, she's been going, entered the waters of the cultural, quote unquote, culture wars. Um, she's uh, kind of, um, if I mean, it all feels as though she's also doing all of that to build herself as that online media personality with kind of all, that entire group of online, extremely online people who love to go after trans kids and hate Muslims and free speech and Palestine, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, it feels as though she's also trying to maybe primarily kind of situate herself as a major political uh, and social commentator um, and, and, and a media personality. So I think that's, you know, I mean, if she doesn't run, she's, she's going to have that going for her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and just to... Um... So just a couple other things here, and then and and then we'll take some calls. I know Pierre has been uh, waiting uh, patiently since I started this room, so uh, we will definitely get to you uh, as soon as we can, and then anybody else who wants to chime in. Um, but uh, just on the subject of her 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 anti-trans bigotry, um, she went on Hannity, um, I, I believe, uh, over the uh, Friday maybe. Uh, you know, after she announced that, or at some point last week after she announced that she was uh, 
leaving the Democratic Party for, for all these right-wing reasons. Um, and I'm not going to play the segment because it is uh, just absolutely, like, just full of, like, repulsive uh, anti-trans uh, bigotry and hate, as you would expect from those two. But um, I will read, like, like the, the way that she frames her tweet around this clip because I think that that's kind of instructive to kind of get what we're talking about here. Truth is not subjective. I can no longer stay in a party that thinks the truth is whatever they say it is, that denies objective reality, such as the difference between men and women, and that tries to discredit or silence anyone who dares to challenge them. Now, again, again, have to stress, like, if you want to leave the Democratic Party, like, more power to you. I, like, like, there are many good left reasons for doing that, uh, totally. Um, but that is not what this is. And um, this, this trying, I, I think what she is doing, the, the reason that it bothers me so much is it's so insidious. I mean, she's just, she's, she's trying to use uh, her platform and who she is as uh, this, this kind of like, quote unquote, like, like one time lefty, um, politician uh, to just like spread like this this uh this this hateful rhetoric and and this this right-wing extremism and you know we saw this when she was leaving office she you know she she put up a, a bill or two that were an, like uh, um anti-trans uh one was like uh, w women in sports and, and i think one was maybe like more explicitly homophobic um again these bills uh were, were going up against like a democratic house she knew that there was no way that they were going to pass, but at the time, like you could tell that what she was doing was that uh, she was sending a message uh, to the right to say, "Hey, I'm on my way. I'm coming to you." Um, and I think that's what you were referring to, right, Sana, when you're talking about like how she's been tilting further to the right for the culture war issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of she. You know, maybe publicly might be presenting herself in a certain way as though she's independent, so on and so forth, for the last however many years. But she's absolutely been signaling with all her actions, um, you know, that uh, that she is. You know, she's in it with the right, and on everything from I think, as I mentioned, on issues of foreign policy, even though she sometimes talks as game of being quote-unquote anti-war um so everything from issues of foreign policy to domestic politics so with her endorsements right of um what was that gentleman's name his name just escaped me but him Balduck, and Carrie yeah, Lake. Uh, yeah general uh balduck yes yeah. <laughs> that's the one. i don't know how i forgot that name but general balduck and um carrie lake as well and then of course um you know even prior to this right like prior to all of this like her voting record like i still remember you know, quite quite a few people talking about how she, like she's someone who we can support because she's anti-imperialist or whatever on Syria, blah blah, and not pointing to the fact that she had an extremely pro-Israel voting record as well, anti-Syrian refugee record in terms of voting on not resettling Syrian refugees in the United States, so on and so forth. So her entire career, for look, especially in the last, you know, let's say it's in 2014 and onwards, right? Like has been signaling for a very long time exactly where she politically stands. Uh, and of course, then there's her affiliations with the RSS, right? With the with the extreme right wing um, uh, Hindu nationalist um, party that is also currently running um, India. So, I mean, it's all been there. It's all now just the branding's coming in together quite nicely. And like I said, I'm glad she finally hard launched after kind of quote unquote teasing a bunch of people for so long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think 
listeners can go back to the last time that Sana was on and we were talking about Tulsi to get uh, the full details on uh, RSS, BJP, and, uh, and specifically Tulsi's uh, allegiance uh, or, or alliance with them. Alliance, I think, is a better way to put that. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's pretty... It's it's pretty pretty sketchy stuff. Um, also, uh, I, I've done a few other shows uh, about Hindu nationalists. Maybe I'll link them in the show description uh, when this when this goes up. So if you're listening on replay, or if you're listening on syndication, you're you've already seen that in the show description, or you can. Um, so Sana, just uh, uh, another thing here from uh, the recent her her kind of her, her recent uh, right wing tilt here. You you had mentioned the comparison of Biden to Hitler, and uh, this is I think the, the the wording here is really interesting. So I'm I'm going to read this out and then and then uh, maybe we can discuss it a little bit. Uh, so she's talking. This is according to Daily Beast. So this comes during a tangent about Biden's Philadelphia speech from September on anti-democratic extremism among quote Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans close quote. That's Biden's Biden's terminology. Um, so here's what Gabbard says. I'm pretty sure they all believe they're doing what's best. Even Hitler thought he was doing what was best for Germany, right? For the German race. In his own mind, he found a way to justify the means to meet his end. So when we have people with that mindset, well, you know, we've got to do whatever it takes because, as President Biden said in that speech in Philadelphia, that those who supported Trump, those who didn't vote for him, are extremists and a threat to his democracy. Um, I'm just curious what you think about that in general, um, but uh, you know the, the the terminology around like uh, the German race and uh, you know his his um, <laughs> how how Hitler Hitler was just maybe a little misunderstood. Uh, it sounds like she's saying, or you know, what, like like his heart was in the right place, or he or he had a good. I, I'm not even really sure like what she is trying to say here. Other than uh, she's she's using the kind of language uh, that uh, c can certainly be interpreted as as sympathetic uh, towards that that kind of far right uh, you know even even like just straight up neo Nazi uh, po politics and political beliefs. What do you think? Do you think that's is is that an unfair, uncharitable read on my part? <laughs> I think it's very charitable. Um... No, I, yeah, when, it's actually interesting. So when I first, when I read this um, earlier today about how her saying that she was pretty sure that Biden and Hitler shared a mindset of good intentions to justify authoritarian, I was like, first of all, like, if you're going to, like, good intentions and talking about Hitler in the same sentence is never going to land you in, in the right, in the way that maybe you want to land. But I think, like, immediately what I thought of was Candace Owens' statement when was it i don't even remember time is flat but it was what like a year or two ago when she said how um she said you know had hitler just stuck to germany like more or less she said something had hitler just kind of tried to make germany great or whatever it would have been okay like again this idea that oh you know had had that been it and then but instead because he tried to expand that was the actual problem with hitler right and it kind of just made me think of i'm like why why are we is this a thing that we're trying to give hitler good intentions now um i don't think it was accidental what she did um at all i don't think it was i don't think it's that messy either right like i said earlier she's she's everything she's saying is a dog whistle it's a very, it's a barely coded language um and i think to to kind of say that like 
Hitler have these essentially good intent and Hitler had these essentially good intentions. Like she's doing two things here, right? One, she is saying that Hitler had good intentions, right? Um, and that Biden has good intentions. Um, so she's not, which also, you know, her recognizing Biden's good intentions is something that um, kind of ends up uh, supporting or, or, you know, the fact that she did endorse Biden, right, for 2020 uh, presidential uh, election, right, which is something that she has to contend with with her new Republican right-wing fan base and whatnot. So she's saying, yes, Biden has good intentions. She's also saying that Hitler has good intentions, and she knows that the audience that she's currently going for, and again, this is my <laughs> reading of it, that she's aware that the audience that she's going for are people who are probably not going to be like, oh, maybe Hitler wasn't all that wrong. He just wanted what was good for his country. Um, and so she acknowledges that Hitler also has, like Biden, some like really good intentions, but he just became too authoritarian. And so he does have some these really bad things that he did, which suck, but he did ultimately have good intentions. And so it's this weird way of, I think, um, uh, almost justifying why she initially uh, endorsed Biden, right? The good intentions and also kind of nodding towards the Hitler fans in, in, the, in the room um, while creating enough to kind of protect herself, say, no, 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 I'm saying he was, he was an authoritarian. I'm not a Hitler fan whatsoever. I think this is really carefully chosen language. I don't think any of this is, I mean, I think it's, again, quite blatant. I don't, I don't think you need to study. It's not that deep. Like, it's really not that deep. But, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very, for her audience, it's very coded language. Yeah, I, you know, just talking about how she endorsed Biden um, and having to explain that, I, I take a pretty cynical view of most, if not all, of her actions. And my view of her endorsing Biden um, falls completely under uh, most most moves that she's made. And so, like, I'll kind of like I'll, I'll kind of like like list a few off here, right? So, uh, one. Uh, in endorsing Bernie, dropping out of the DNC, I think she saw that he wasn't going to win, but that he had started a political movement, and she knew that she could kind of um, uh, grab onto that and 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 take it for for a little bit of a ride. I think she was thinking about running uh, for president, either uh, to challenge Hillary, or you know, in, in case that Trump won, she would run against him in 2020. I think that that was that was the idea that she that she was going uh, going after. I think uh, running in in 2020 and not going explicitly against uh, Biden, Bernie, or uh, or even Warren was also an, an explicit uh, uh, decision because they were the uh, powerful um, people running. They were the people running who 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 stood like the best chance of winning, and so like I think that for her. Uh, she was thinking like, well, you know, what what I'll do here is I will make sure uh, that you know uh, wh whoever wins, I'll 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 have you know some kind of a like I'll be on good terms with them. Um, and then you know her her slow like the the introduction of those bills that I talked to at the end of her that I talked about uh, at the end of her term uh, signaled kind of the beginning of her tilt towards the right. And now she's all in. And now she's uh, you know broken with the Democratic Party. Now she's a common sense independent. Um, I would imagine that we'll see her uh, officially become a Republican at sometime, uh, probably 
in maybe like the summer of 2023. And then I would think that she will probably announce that she is going to run for president at some point between then and maybe a year from now. Um, again, that is pretty cynical, and, and I'll admit that, certainly. But I really do think that that is, that, that is what she is trying to do, and I think that that is like her, her kind of goal. Um, what do you think? you think? Do you think that kind of tracks? Uh, do, you, do you think that, that is, that's a good um, kind of uh, assessment of where she's been, and does that, does that future uh, seem reasonable? Yeah, no, I I actually entirely agree. And the only kind of thing I would add is that I think her fallback is this kind of media commentator, cultural, you know, profit, so on and so forth. I think she's 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 kind of positioning herself in two ways. And she has two options, which is going to be to run. And I 100 percent agree with you on your assessment of even her endorsements and everything. She saw the Bernie movement as a fantastic opportunity to kind of co-opt the language of like anti-war, et cetera. Um, and get some support and, and kind of a new base through that. And then, of course, um, you know, so I think she saw that and she's absolutely going to run. Um, but in the meantime, she's going to build her personality because we know that this country's celebrity, dumb, celebrityhood, whatever, has a lot of weight. And she recognized that, too. She's very, very, I think, smart and shrewd and um and I, she knows what she's doing, what she has been doing, and she's been very successful at it. And I think she'll continue to be successful at it. I don't think Tulsi Gabbard is someone who's easily going to disappear or kind of be a laughing stock, which kind of the Democrats have kind of treated her that way, right? Like during the 2020 election, she was treated like, you know, when she, I remember she randomly mentioned like Hillary Clinton. She People were like laughing at her, being what a joke. She's clear Republican plant, et cetera, et cetera. And not taking seriously like what it is, like as you mentioned in the beginning, why is it that Gabbard has a platform and support and kind of the staying power that she's um, kind of had um, uh, in the last, you know, six, seven years or so. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Her, her, her podcast is like uh, a lot, like it's, it's like number three on the Spotify list already. I mean, this is, and this doesn't even necessarily mean that, um, that, 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 that a media career is what she, uh, is is her her goal here? I mean, I think that's part of why she made this announcement because her podcast was launching. But I think that it's also because she realizes that the larger media reach that you have, the more political success you can have. And you know, she's she's been on Rogan. I mean, this is this is a this is a a, a, a right wing ecosystem, a right wing political ecosystem that exists mm-hmm. right now that is just kind of. Uh, like like floating, um, and and it hasn't really like aligned itself with with the Republican Party completely yet. But it is basically getting there. Um, you know, this is this is the you know you have Rogan, um, you have Gabbard, uh, you have Greenwald, you have you have uh, these these other like big right wing personalities, and and what they're doing is they're just kind of uh, like calling themselves like you know a reasonable independents or whatever, but. Eventually, like what is going to happen is they are going to, I think, uh, end up kind of merging in with the Republican Party uh, to some ex- to one extent or or the other, and kind of becoming like the new right. And and I think that uh, if, if anybody doesn't think that that's what's going on, I just don't know what to tell you. I really think that this stuff is 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 so obvious; it's almost self evident at this point. Um, so. Uh, Let's uh, let's take Pierre because Pierre has been waiting for a long, long time uh, to 
to get into the call of queue here. So let's say Pierre, and if anybody else wants to join the join the call to talk about uh, Gabbard um, or or really any anything else that we've been talking about, please feel free. So uh, Pierre, uh, you are all set. Just unmute yourself and go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep, yep, you know, I, I think what's interesting is is some of these um, defenses of her are based on the idea where they'll say, well, what's really left and what's really right nowadays? And the left has moved to the right and the right has moved to the left. And they'll, they'll cite things like, uh, you know, quote unquote, big tech censorship and, and proxy, proxy war and stuff like that. And yet they'll kind of either, you know, I don't know whether it's intentional or not, but they'll kind of ignore how like Tulsi has attacked Democrats from the right, um, especially in domestic policy too, where like they'll just ignore that like he, she attacked the whole build back better structure or premise um, by saying, you know, oh, this is too much government spending, which is a right wing position. Um, so I don't know how else you can <laughs> rationalize that. And, you know, the other thing is that, um, you know, she does this thing where she'll label people who voted for, like with the AOC thing last week, um, you know, they'll say, oh, this, um, if you vote for military aid, then you're pro-war and you're pro-proxy war. Um, but the thing is, is like, if the definition of proxy war is sending aid to Ukraine while they're in a state of war, um, we've been doing that since 2017. Trump started that. Um, lethal aid to Ukraine. So the whole thing is just kind of jumbled. The other thing is like, by saying you're pro-war, I mean, by voting against, I, I think there's a reasonable argument to make that like you need to either, you know, taper down military aid or condition it on some type of negotiation. But to say like, not sending military aid is anti-war is not really the case. It's like the opposite is not peace because you, you don't send aid. There's still a war going on. So I just don't see the logic behind making those type of attacks, which she kind of does too. And then they'll kind of like, kind of do like twist themselves into knots into kind of rationalizing it. Like, you know, casting doubt on the, you know, sovereignty of Ukraine and stuff like that. So I just think the whole thing is just kind of like illogical in that sense. Um, and just kind of willfully ignores whole swathes of policies that that go against that narrative yeah yeah definitely so thank thank you so much Pierre. i think those are all um really uh really really good points um you know i i i guess that i would start uh by saying that um you know i don't i don't consider um gabbard's position on ukraine to be anti-war at all uh certainly not um i think i think that her position on it is very similar to the position on on Syria that we were talking about, which is that like it's not it's, it's not that she's against the war. She's just she's just against um, the U.S. getting involved with it. Uh, she would like to see the war continue, uh, but she would just like like to see it continue on terms um, that basically allow uh, the powerful actor in this case Russia. But I but I I do also want to stress that I think that like the the conspiracist attack on Gabbard as being a Russian agent are, are very stupid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing that stuff at all. Um, but I do think that like she is interested and she is um, uh, uh, very, very in favor of 
these wars continuing, just as long as they kind of continue on her terms. Um, as far as domestic politics go, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think the the you know uh, attacking Bill Back Better from the position that is too much government spending is a perfect example of the, these dog whistles that we've been talking about to the right that she's been doing for years, um, uh, certainly for the last two years. Uh, I mean, this is. Um, but but it does it does send the message very very explicitly uh, that that she is on their side. You know this is um, government spending is kind of kind of bleeds into culture war stuff, um, and I think that uh, like like as as far as like being signals right signals to to different to people of different political persuasion that you're on their side, and so she's certainly doing that. Like the criticisms of of uh, like attacking Build Back Better, attacking Democrats in general from the right in that way, is just signaling to the right wing that she's one of them, um, rather than signaling any kind of principled opposition to anything that the uh, that the that, that the Democratic Party is doing. I mean, like I, I don't think that you can really put her uh, positions in opposition to the Democratic Party in the context of anything other than simply uh, being. Uh, just, just part of just going to the other side. It would be more interesting if, if she had an actual critique, even if it was a critique from the right. It would be interesting if she had a critique from the right as 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 a Democrat or a former Democrat um, that actually like had some substance to it. But again, like all of this is pretty empty shit, and all she's really doing is just um, dog whistling to the Republicans, like, "Hey, I'm on my way." But again, like like Sana was saying. Tulsi's very smart, so what she so she she knows that she's going to be seen uh, rightfully as a complete sellout if she just flips immediately. So it has to be this like kind of long process that continues to give her credibility every step of the way, and then at the time when she finally you know unleashes her final form as as GOP nominee for president, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, at that point uh, she will will have, have built up the credibility of somebody who, who, who turned over. What do you think, Sana? Yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of um, springboard off of that because I think the thing with Gabbard, what makes her kind of powerful in the position that she's in currently is that she has the so-called cred, right, to say um, that, look, I was a DNC vice chair. I was endorsed by Bernie. I was with even that movement. I did this. I was a progressive. That's what I was known for. And you can, but you can see how I got so disenchanted with, you know, uh, the Democratic Party because of everything that happened. And I got so, and a lot of these are, would be, you know, would be considered by people who are uh, not necessarily, not right wing, but are wary of the Democrats. They would, it would be considered totally, um, uh, um, you know, legitimate criticism of the Democratic Party. But she's really set up a good story of being disenchanted with the Democrats. So, you know, to the point that you were making, and I was saying earlier as well, she couldn't take that hard, like hard launch early and be like, I'm a Republican is what I believe. But instead it's been these years of, I mean, it was there, like I said, always, but, um, but she had clearly latched onto the progressive movement as kind of thinking like that was the way, but, um, but very much so saw like that was not, you know, serving her in any way and is now um, very much so, you know, um, in uh, in uh, towards towards someone who wants to be a re real Republican Republican um, stakeholder or not even a stakeholder, a power wielder, I should say, right? Um, and uh, and she has the cred. She has the she has the military cred, right, for the right, 
um, and uh, she has the democratic background and progressive background, quote unquote, um, to, to for that narrative of disenchantment. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 it's a strong narrative, and I think it's one that is going to um, put her in a good position. You know, I I I, I see in the chat that uh, Sonia is saying. I'm betting on her joining Andrew Yang's party. No way. No way. Andrew Yang's party is a dead end. She's not stupid. She's not going to do that. Um, she will 100% uh, do something like like turn to the Republican Party. But there's no way that she's going to join uh, Yang's, uh, you know, like like uh, uh, loser bullshit uh, party that, that nobody cares about. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, and, and I think that, you know, like, it's, it's, it's important to, like, really – like look at uh, what this particular political figure has done for her career, and to and to look at how, like as Sana was saying, like how smart she is. She's very smart, and she's doing this stuff on purpose in 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 a very explicit and intelligent way. And for her to join Yang's party, I think would just be you know an example of of pure stupidity. And I just can't see her doing that. I also want to mention. So this is. Um, from uh, Sean Parker, uh, council member for Nashville's uh, fifth district. I think he's he's in the in the audience tonight. Uh, listening, but he he posted this um, to me on Twitter uh, that Gabbard on uh, Saturday, Friday on Friday is appearing at a rally in Nashville, um, and this is uh, some like extreme. Uh, anti-trans, uh, uh, transphobic stuff. So hosted by Matt Walsh. So that should kind of tell you like where we're at here uh, with with, Sen with Republican senators uh, Marsha Blackburn and Jack Johnson, um, as well as as and so Gabbard is like you know one one of the uh, one of the sub headliners here, and the it's called the rally to end child mutilation, um, and so this is like I, I think that this is is. You know, an important thing to to note that like she's not just tilting uh, to the right on this stuff. Like th she's going quite like this is quite extreme. Actually, Sean is Sean is in the in the caller queue, so I'm just going to take him right now. Um, Sean, go ahead, just unmute yourself there. Um, yep, you're all set. And uh, so thanks for thanks for sharing that and thanks for calling in. Um, what can you tell us about this? Hey, um, yeah, thank y'all for the for the having the room. Um, yeah, I was really surprised to see uh, her name pop up on that flyer. Um, this is a this is a rally that, as you said, Matt Walsh and um, that crew of folks. I guess there's a pair of brothers whose name the the Starbuck brothers, maybe. Um, not super familiar with those. I think one of them tried to run for Congress um, recently here in Nashville, but. Uh, yeah, the, a few weeks ago, I think this is kind of happening all over the country, but there was sort of a Matt Walsh and the Daily Wire had this, you know, expose about Vanderbilt University Medical Center um, having a you know, gender affirming care clinic. It's like, I think it's the only one in the southeast. I'm not super up on the specifics of it, but, you know, they got these recordings and whatnot and whipped up a big moral panic about it. And then all the. GOP legislators got in and said, we're going to, you know, have legislation in the next session over this. And then Vanderbilt kind of came out and said, well, hey, we're going to we're going to put a pause on this. And so anyway, you know, they're, they're, these folks are um, really, really going hard after the trans community here in Nashville and in the southeast. Um, and, you know, I've 
don't recall Tulsi ever having any connection to Nashville or to Tennessee. Um, so it's, it's just very interesting to see her pop up with, uh, with, with that crowd. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So thank, thank you. Uh, thank you, um, Sean for, for not only for, for sending that over for, but for also, uh, uh join us to give us a little bit, uh, further context there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is, uh, it, it's, it's, so there are two things, uh, as far as I see kind of going on here with that, uh, you know, one is that the, the, the Gabbard is kind of all in on this anti-trans stuff, which if you're familiar with her, just history of just rampant, vicious homophobia, um, as a state legislator in, in Hawaii should not be surprising. Um, but I also think that it's interesting that, that, you know, if, if she is, as we, as we obviously think she is, um, you know, uh, like on a journey to eventually like try to run for president as a Republican, um, and then she's doing this, it does really show just how, um, how, how this, uh, explicit and extreme anti-trans bigotry is just the mainstream of the Republican party. Uh, Sana, what do you, I mean, I've, I've been talking for a little while. What do you, what do you think about all this? Uh, like the, you know, the, the rally here and, and just you know, in general, just her, her general, uh, um, actions. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the one thing that politicians, especially the Republicans do really well is fear monger. And I think there's no more kind of powerful fear than, uh, capturing the fear of parents in particular. Um, and so, which is kind of what these culture wars have quote unquote culture wars, um, have kind of, um, placed themselves in, 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 in doing so. And so, for her, I, I don't think it, it matters whether or not she's connected. I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter to her if she's connected to a community or not. She needs to be in the right place in the right time. Um, and she needs to show herself constantly in proximity of all the things that she knows right now are are in people's ears, right? Um, and it's not just people. Also, I think we have a tendency to think that this this type of culture war stuff, uh, cultural culture war stuff is happening primarily on the right. And it's also, I mean, it's happening across the, the very poorly defined political spectrum in this country. There are a lot of people who are overhearing things that are coming from people like Matt Walsh, for instance. I mean, I, I was in a group chat where there were like a large group chat with like a hundred or so people. And someone started talking about the Matt and it was like, not at all a political kind of uh, group chat. And so I started talking about the Matt Walsh. What is a woman? Um, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Like, I don't want to call it a documentary, but whatever the hell it was. But it's like, just like um, a hate, hate, I mean, it was, hate I propaganda mean, just, yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it was interesting because these were people who I know are extremely, like, not like relatively, like they're liberal progressive types. And they were like, well, he's making some really good points. So there are people who are, not very online and like they're not online enough or very online at all to kind of know some of the nuances of like what is being said by the likes of people like Matt Walsh, Jesse Singal, et cetera, et cetera. But they get these little, you know, little, little crumbs here and there. Um, you know, they're not watching the news all the time. So they're like, Ooh, what is going on in this country? And so I think for someone like Gabbard, just like for other people, it's very important to be in proximity of this type of, um, you know, conversation and to show like, yeah, I, you know, you're afraid of this. I'm afraid of this too. But I think I'm going to be really interested to see how far she takes. I mean, she, to be fair, she's take, already taken it pretty far, but I'm going to see, um, like I'm watching to see that when it comes to issues of trans rights, trans kids, um, you know, 
how far is she also going to be willing to take it? Because I think as we were, as we've been talking about this entire time, she kind of, um, tip, not tiptoe, yeah, tiptoes a bit, a little loudly in my opinion, but she tiptoed toes towards certain positions. And so I'm really, really curious as to where she's going to go on this, or if she's just right now using it. I mean, by the way, I do believe that she, she does believe what she's saying on this too, based on her history on issues of, um, you know, um, uh, 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 marriage equality, so on and so forth. Um, and, and even her quote unquote, very half-assed apology that she, was it even an apology? I don't remember on like her, her anti-marriage equality positions and all that. So yeah, I, I think, think that's I think, I think what happened was that she didn't even really apologize. Her supporters just said like, look at her record. Um, yeah, maybe that was, I do remember, I feel like she did release a statement either prior to or right after Bernie's endorsement. And I'm, I wish I could remember it right now, but, um, but anyways, yeah, I think, I think that one is, it's a big issue for sure. But I think for someone like Gabbard, that's an issue that is really good. And, and I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but really in that kind of, it's, it's really good window dressing that it really pretties up her as a candidate for the people who are kind of either entirely or somewhat paying attention to those issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great way to put it. Like the window dressing kind of like, like, like making her more appealing because that is like, like the intention I think of what she's doing here. Um, and it's just, I, I just think it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty disturbing stuff. You know, I, I, in, as far as like, is she, is she willing to take this, uh, you know, to, to the furthest extent, is she willing to, uh, go to, you know, extreme, you know, levels to, uh, uh, politically on this issue, um, you know, wh whether or not she believes it or not, which I, I agree. I think she does. I mean, I think she, she was raised. Just, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, just to clarify what I mean by like where she's going to go with this is that, you know, I'm really curious. I haven't heard anything yet about if she has any kind of rapport relationship or anything with DeSantis, right? Ken DeSantis is really someone who is, uh, for lack of a better term, putting his money where his mouth is when it comes to being really anti-trans, right? And so um, I'm, you know, that that's what I mean. I'm like, is she going to, is, is there going to be some sort of an alliance formed there between DeSantis and Gabbard, right? Like, that, that's what I meant by not necessarily taking on explicit positions, but how 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 far is she willing to take on this kind of like the window dressing of of um, you know I'm trying to save your kids and and women in this country. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I think I think that she she is the thing about Gabbard is that you know if you're not familiar, um, she is from. Uh, she, she was raised in a pretty explicit uh, Hare Krishna cult uh, run by this guy named Chris Butler in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, that, that they were that they were taught uh, was uh, like, I, I don't remember the exact explicit details of this, but basically that like, you know, one, one of the members of the cult would eventually like, like ascend to high political power and that that was like one of the prophecies. And she obviously believes that that is her, uh, who is going to, to reach this. And so I think that she, you know, having been, uh, raised in this cult and, uh, her husband and is, is a member and, uh, her, her mother-in-law, is also a member and was like running her district office in Hawaii for a long time. I mean, like, like there's just, there are tendrils like all throughout. Right. Um, but somebody with this kind of messianic, 
like just just chosen by God beliefs about their own role uh, about like like with respect to politics in this way is someone who you're going to see uh, be willing to throw anybody and and anything under the bus in order to uh, meet their destiny and yeah I think I think that this is I, I could see her you know running for president this time in hopes that maybe she would become the vice president and then be able to you know ascend to power in in four to eight years or or, or however long you know depending on the health and the age of the person who she is aligning herself with uh, even though you know it is it is a big big lift to uh, become vice president and then become president but um, uh, Joe Biden, notwithstanding that he had four years in between, um, but uh, you know, I, I think that it, you have to really understand her in large part in that context because you're not dealing with someone whose views of herself and and her understanding. And, and I'm sorry that I'm rambling here, but I've been reporting on her for like six years, and this stuff is just like has has just gone in the exact direction that. Both I and both Sana and I uh, said that it was going to go in uh, the entire time. Like this is exactly what we said was going to happen, um, and it's just amazing to just watch it uh, continue. And she becomes more and more of a national figure, and then like who knows like where she's going to end up here. But um, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that when it comes to any person in any uh, marginalized community that Gabbard is attacking, you can bet that uh, two things are true. Uh, one of which is that she will not hesitate to do whatever she needs to to throw them under the bus in order to gain power. And two, you can pretty confidently assume that whatever she's saying, she does actually believe. Um, and and even, even, that, even when it comes to something like this Nashville uh, rally, that Sean showed us, uh, even when it comes to something like that, because this stuff is, uh, th th this is someone who, who wants power and is, uh, like, I think really finally returning to her right-wing roots to get it. Um, and, and Sana, I'll, I'll give you the last word here before we sign up, but, you know, as, as someone else who has been uh, calling and predicting this uh, for years, um, has, has, is this playing out the way that you thought it would, uh, roughly? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the most important things is going to be, I think, the two things we already mentioned. One was, you know, the, the question that you asked earlier, which is that no one's really asked why she she's she's been able to kind of um, command the sort of um, what's the word I'm looking not respect, although it's certainly respect amongst certain segments, many segments in this country, but definitely that kind of um, like stature. She has stature. Stature. Yeah, that's the word stature. Um and, you know, so I think that's one of the things. And I think the other thing that's really important to remember is that she's not going away. You know, um, I think treating her as fringe alone when we're seeing that what we have long, what, what you know, the media, you know, uh, the Democrats, et cetera, have long kind of considered as fringe politics are actually very much so the mainstay of um, especially the Republican Party. And so I think those two things are very important to always keep in mind when it comes to Gabbard, that um, there is a reason why she has the stature that she does. And uh, she is here for 
the long run. Absolutely. Unless there's some sort of uh, some sort of social political miracle that happens in this country. But um, but she's absolutely here for the long run. And she's someone to watch very closely. So if you're not watching her right now or haven't been, you should start um, because I think she is part of definitely. I don't want to say the future of the the country's political scene or the future of the Republican Party, but she's part of where it's at right now and exactly kind of where it's going to be at least in 2024. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and uh, just just like one final thought on this: one of the reasons that she has such stature and one of the reasons that she has uh, such a uh, uh, th- that she had such a platform to be able to kind of spin it into where it's at now is because uh, when she entered office as a kind of somewhat conservative but uh, like kind of hippie uh, veteran candidate, uh, House you know, representative from Hawaii, uh, the Democrats loved her. They loved the fact that she got along so well with the Republicans. Uh, she loved the fact that they loved the fact that she was a veteran. Um, they didn't care about her uh, questionable politics, and they uplifted her and put her into a position of power and leadership. And she got a, a very, very glowing, like, puff piece treatment by the New York Times in, um, I think it was, like, December 2015, you know, just months before she uh, resigned her position at the DNC. So um, there, there, there's a lot of blame uh, to go around. But, uh, Sana, thank you so much for making time on this uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, where can people find you and find your work um, online? Of course, uh, we, will, we will link to it, but... You know where where can people find you and and uh, what are you what are you up to these days? I know that you've been you've been working with Al Jazeera, right? So you so you have some stuff coming down the pipe, I'm sure, with that. Yeah. So um, thanks again for having me on here. I always love discussing Tulsi Gabbard. I think this is like my second or third show on here with, about Tulsi. Um, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sana It's my full name. Uh, and then I actually have a media critique series that I do uh, with Al Jazeera with their channel AJ Plus. Um, and we have our final episode of this season dropping, which is actually looking at um, the why is it that uh, Israel in particular, beyond the pro-Israel lobby and American foreign policy has, has such a uh, cultural um, power within the United States? And so it's a cultural history of Israel in the United States. And we kind of look at how that cultural history has been told. And it was honestly, I think, one of the most enlightening archival uh, histories that I've ever researched. So I'm really excited to get that one out. It should be out October 30th on AJ Plus um, uh, English on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Super psyched for that. Well, uh, thanks again, Sana, for coming on. Uh, thank you to Pierre and Sean uh, for calling in and chatting. Thanks to all of you for listening uh, live. Thanks to you for listening at home uh, if you're listening on replay or syndication. If you are listening on the app, uh, live or on replay, please be sure to uh, like and subscribe. Um, if you are listening on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, uh, please be sure to rate us, like us, all of that stuff. And also please consider uh, getting the call-in app so you guys can join us live uh, during these recordings. Uh, we will see you on Sunday, or I will see you on Sunday. Uh, I'll be with Sam Sachs. We'll be talking about something. Don't know yet, what quite yet, uh, but it will be entertaining.